Live from the Pacific Northwest, it's Portland Story Theater's Valentine's Day show, Kiss and Tell, Real True Stories. May the narrative be with you. It's a great day. I love this day. Um, Oregon's birthday. Today, um, I love Oregon. I'll let you guys know that. Um, I love going outside after it's been raining all day, just taking that big, deep breath. It feels that crisp, clean, wet air coming to my lungs. I love that one week in July, just unbearable heat. I love the, you know, that it snows once every four years and have to stick. And when it does, the city of Portland shuts down for a day or two, and it's like this beautiful white blanket covers the city. I love that I can drive my car into Portland fairly easily, and I love that uh, I can park somewhere fairly easily. I love that uh, people still use their turn signal for the most part. <laughs> I love that when I uh, get something at the store, it says 99 cents, I get it to the cash register, it's 99 cents. <laughs> so I, I remember uh, once not having this level term work, and when I was younger, I couldn't wait to graduate and go off to college somewhere far away and leave what I thought was my podunk Oregon town. When it came time to actually make that choice, instead of going to uh, East Coast or even the Midwest, I stayed somewhat local. I went to California. And uh, I know California's not Oregon. They don't use their turn signals in California. <laughs> but there was something very comforting uh, knowing that if I wanted to come home, it was just a two-hour plane ride away. Um, so I lived different places throughout college and um, afterwards. Wherever I went, I always compared it to Oregon. And Oregon kind of became that relationship you have, your boyfriend or girlfriend that you have. It's really great. You set the bar high, and every other relationship afterward is just ruined because you constantly compare it to that one person that you don't have. That, to me, was Oregon. So when it came time to kind of settle down, I came back to Oregon. Unfortunately, I settled down in my mom's garage. And <laughs> I lived there for five years. Um, but... After five years, uh, uh, around my 30th birthday, I was, uh, I, was, uh, I was fortunate enough, call it fate, call it uh, the grace of chances, I, was, uh, I met the woman I was going to fall in love with, Smitha. Now, Smitha is kind and generous and painstakingly beautiful, and she's also our vixen this evening. Uh, <laughs> And uh, when I met Smith, uh, what really made me fall in love with her was when she gave you her attention, you really had her attention. She really listened to what you were talking about. We would email, we would talk on the phone at night, and I, I barely like talking face-to-face -face with people. I fucking hate talking on the phone. But here I was talking for hours every night to this woman, and she genuinely seemed interested in what I was talking about. And more importantly, I actually was interested in what she was talking about. That's very important. So, um, I had this, yes, I had this person that I, I was falling in love with. There was just one problem. I lived in Portland. She lived in Chicago. Now, Chicago, Chicago, where it doesn't snow once every four years. It snows all the time. And when it snows, it's not a beautiful white blanket of snow. It is brown slush crap. Uh, Chicago, where there's not one week in July of unbearable heat, there's four weeks. And there's also four weeks in August and four weeks in September, just in case you didn't get enough. <laughs> Chicago, where you cannot drive your car into town easily. Uh, you cannot park easily. Chicago, where 
it is just millions of people living on top of each other. Now I, you guys look like a great crowd tonight. I normally don't like crowds, I like space. Chicago's one huge crowd. So for me, there's a lot of cons for Chicago, but there was one big pro, and that was Samantha. Now, fortunately, after five months of talking on the phone every night and emailing, um, a job opportunity presented itself. I, I say job opportunity, and uh, I, I didn't invent this job opportunity, but I will tell you that for the rest of the story, I'm gonna use air quotes, because <laughs> it was more of like a, you know, possibility, a rumor of a possibility of a job. But for me, that was enough. I, I thought, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know, see this through. I told Smith about it, and she said, you should totally take that job. <laughs> and you should come out to Chicago. And you can live with me until this job starts. Now, her friends told her she was crazy. You just met this guy five months, and now you're gonna have invite him to come and live with you? Now, my friends were like, you met a girl? See ya, have fun. Can we help you back? <laughs> so I, uh, I packed everything up in my car and I drove to Chicago where I was now going to be living. The last place on earth I thought I'd be living. <coughs> and when I got to Chicago, it was as if I had never not lived with Smitha in Chicago. It was great. A couple months in, this was September, a couple months in, I uh, decided to come home for Christmas and New Year's. Uh, Smitha couldn't come because she was working, but I came home almost out of instinct because I had spent every Christmas and New Year's of my life in Oregon. When I went away to college, I always came back. When I was living in my mom's garage, I never went anywhere. <laughs> so this was like 30 years in a row. Um, and when I left Chicago, I remember it was, the airport was packed, there was brown slush everywhere, uh, and flight was delayed. Poor the norm of uh, December in Chicago. When I got to Oregon, it was rainy, it was mild, you know. Uh, and uh, the airport didn't seem that busy. And uh, I remember just it, it, it being very comfortable. But over the next couple of days, I, this big list I had of things I loved about Oregon, I, I wasn't really able to appreciate it fully. It was because this list had a, a huge new con in, in the column. And it was the Smith that wasn't here with me. And I knew it instantly. So I said, I need to get back to Chicago as soon as I can. So I called the airline, there's a sentence I never thought I would say. So I called the airline and I said, when can you guys get me back? I need to get back to Chicago. So the lady said, well, we can get you back uh, New Year's Day at six o'clock in the morning. And I said, great, give me that ticket. Um, afterwards I thought, who the hell am I gonna get to drive me to the airport at six o'clock New Year's Day? <laughs> Fortunately, I had a, a great friend who said, yeah, I'll drive you to the airport. There's just one little hitch and that's that, uh, we're gonna have a party at our house New Year's Eve the night before. You can come to that, hang out, and then uh, in the morning if I'm sober enough, I'll drive you. So I said, okay, I'll come to your house, I, I, I'll make you do this party, and uh, so, you know, four o'clock in the morning you can take you to the airport. Now that night, we went to his house, and he invited a couple friends, and those friends invited a couple friends, and uh, those friends invited a couple friends. Pretty soon, it was a full-on ranger at his house. I mean, there were people there we had no idea who they were. And, uh, you know, I'm just sitting in the corner, just trying to get through the night, uh, you know, keep my eyes just focused on getting, making that flight the next day, because things can go wrong. And wouldn't you know it, there's all these single girls who are all of a sudden interested in me, you know? <laughs> a year earlier, I would have loved to have been at this party, but on this night, I just wanted to get through the night. I wanted to get to the airport. So I did, I got to the airport, got to Chicago, and um, 
I know the airport was crowded, it must have been, but in my memory, there weren't that many people there. And I know that there was slush all over the roads, it was crappy weather, but in my memory, it was very nice and white and serene. <laughs> and I know there were people on the streets and cars going and people on the sidewalks, but in my memory, it was just me carrying my little carry-on all the way from the last train station to our apartment downtown. So I got home and I didn't tell Smith I was coming, so this was a surprise. And she was gonna come home from work, and I knew it, and I started kind of worrying about how she was gonna react. Um, you know, sometimes you, you set the expectation so high and the person doesn't meet it, and it be kind of a letdown. So I started stressing a little bit. When she got home, she walked in and she has the big Chicago puffy black jacket that goes all the way from here down to here, the moon boots on, probably layers underneath, I don't know. And she walks in and it's that moment of how is she gonna react? And it was the biggest smile and it was exceeded, exceeded what I hoped, how I hoped she would uh, react. And she took off her jacket and just smiling the whole time and she took it off and she took off a boot and she took off a boot and she came and I grabbed her and I lifted her up and I carried her into our bedroom. <laughs> and we had the longest, most intense game of Monopoly that we have ever done. <laughs> I hit free parking twice that night. <laughs> and we would only stay in Chicago a couple more months, we moved away, but I know that if we had lived there today, I would be happy because for me, Happiness is with the person you love, not necessarily the place you love. Oh.